Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Hey guys, on the monorail. Hey, Nick from Sandpiper Vacation. I can't believe you're here. Perfect. I can't figure out how to get to Coronado Springs. Could you help me figure out how to get there? Yeah, well, first off, um, we actually need to get off the monorail because the monorail doesn't go to Coronado Springs. You have to take a bus. So it is a little bit kind of harder to get to, but there's some really good food there. Speaking of food, oh, looks like Ryan's here as well. Ryan, what are you eating? It's not Coronado Springs food. I'm eating calamari. I got it from Tony's Town Square. You went to the Magic Kingdom to get calamari? There's such good food at Coronado Springs. You get, like, your Spanish food, your Mexican food, there's tequila. Do they have calamari? No, but if you go next year, they might have a Coco convention. Coco convention 2024? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to episode 241 of the Dis His Podcast. I'm your host, Alex. Today, I'll begin the His on Coronado Springs Resort. We're recording live for our Groove Troop. If you want to join our Groove Troop, go to our Dis His Pod at all social media or YouTube. And from there, you can go to our link tree. And from our link tree, you can get to our podcast information. From our link tree, you can get to our Patreon. And uh, you can join for as little as $2 a month. Just by joining for a little as $2 a month, you get access to our Discord. And from our Discord, you can talk daily Disney talk with Disney adults. You also get access to our episodes on Sunday morning instead of Tuesday. And you can watch us record live every week. If you pay more than $2 a month, then you're entered our monthly drawings. And uh, this February on 220, we're going to be giving away a shirt. So get ready for that. Also, our link tree, you can get to our blog. And you can get to our TeePublic where we have merchandise to sell. If you can, please go to your podcast platform and give us a five-star review. Love reviews. Want to share reviews. And if you happen to be on Spotify, go ahead and answer our Q&As or our polls and let us know what you think of the episodes. Heather Tomlinson5 commented on one of our episodes Q&A, which you can do if you are on Spotify. And uh, she said her top five Disney MA movies are... Peter Pan, Winnie the Pooh, Snow White, The Jungle Book, and Robin Hood. And I have to say, this is a pretty good top five list. Pretty good top five list. And Heather, she is a she comments a lot, and I appreciate it. So thank you, Heather. Before we get to the his, I wanted to talk about how you're not going to be hearing my voice for this episode. Myself, Chris, and our guest Nick record this episode, uh, but we had some audio issues. So instead of having us three come back together to re-record it, because we've done it in the past, and usually when we re-record episodes that we've already done a few days later, it's kind of stale. It's not as good as we want it to be. So we thought, hey, let's change it up a little bit. So we are going to have RJ and Ryan host the show with Nick as their guest. And that way, it's different. It's not so boring for Nick because he's already gone over this before. And, you know, it's... It's more lively than if Chris and I were going through the steps of doing what we've already done. So um, take it away, RJ. Thank you, Alex. I'm your host, RJ. I'm Ryan. And today we're going to be giving the his on Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. Let's go ahead and introduce our very special guest who we would much rather hear tonight. 
So please welcome back to the show from Sandpiper Vacations and the No New Friends podcast, Nick. Welcome back, Nick. I forgot I'm a host on the other podcast as well now, too. So thanks for having me back. Um, I'm excited to talk about this resort. I've actually stayed there a couple times now, so I have some um, personal experience with it currently and um, prior to before it was remodeled and everything, too. I'm really looking forward to hearing that. I know Ryan's never stayed at the hotel. Yeah, I'm glad to hear Nick because I I have no idea uh, <laughs> of anything about this place. I also haven't stayed there or really haven't been there. I used to think it was a really interesting hotel. And for whatever reason, I really wanted to stay there because it's Southwest America themed. It's Mexican themed. I've always wanted to go to like the inner part of Mexico. I've always thought that would be really neat. And then I saw some photos of this hotel, especially as I was writing the history a little bit underwhelmed, truthfully. Yeah, it's, um, and we'll get into it a little bit later, but it was not my favorite resort. It was one that I, we stayed at um, probably 10 years ago now, and we said we would never stay there ever again. And we went back, and it's actually become one of our new favorite resorts to stay at. Oh, wow, complete so heel turn. Um, yeah, it's definitely changed, and um, I'm sure we'll talk about it in the history as well, too, of what has changed over the years and how it's gotten better. So, Ooh. Hey, Ryan, maybe you can take a page out of Coronado Springs' book, change and get better. No, I, I will never change. <laughs> Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> now, for those of you such as Ryan who aren't super familiar with this resort, and even myself certainly to an extent, Disney's Coronado Springs Resort is a moderate-level resort at Walt Disney World themed around Spanish colonial and Southwest American culture. This was Disney's first attempt at a moderate resort with a convention center, and it continues to receive significant attendance following the opening of the resort's Gran Destino Tower. Now, I remember the tower being built. I do remember that. I feel like that was a huge deal, because I feel like that and yeah. really that and the Riviera are the two biggest additions to any Disney resorts in the past what seven or so years that i can think of unless nick you know of any bigger bolder ones no i i mean a lot of the resorts have gone through refurbishments over the past um f four years essentially since 2020 um, we all know what happened that year and um, <laughs> um there was this thing called a uh, um a ceo change at this <laughs> yeah that guy, that guy came in now um and well, actually on top of that too but um yeah, so it's um, 2019 was a big year for this property and growing this tower. And it was something that was hugely exciting to come to not only Disney, but a moderate resort. Um, the moderate resorts um, were very kind of, to me, just very plain Jane. They weren't Disney inspired as much, um, but just very, like I said, it was a cool resort that I felt like we wanted to visit because we enjoyed um, the spanish culture and everything like that um when we stayed there 10 years ago it felt like a rundown city in mexico to be honest um, the rooms weren't very appealing um i felt like they were just very run down <laughs> and date and dated i i don't know if they were just going for that or if it was just they were never refurbished since it had opened and whatever you're open now so um yeah, it's a, it was an interesting stay. It's a huge property as well, too. It's very, very spread out. So um, it's not fun for when you're 
getting back from the parks. You get off that bus, and then you have to walk another two miles just to get to your And I'm sure it was never Disney's most popular moderate resort to begin with. Maybe that's part of the reason they didn't renovate it. I know I stayed at Port Orleans French Quarter back when I was eight. Loved it there. I've seen great photos of Caribbean Beach, and I feel like this is the main moderate resort that really tends to get looked over. Well, we're not going to be looking it over today, because let's get to the his on Coronado Springs Resort. On April 1st, 1995, Walt Disney World officially opened the gates of its third water park, Blizzard Beach. With dwindling popularity at Disney's first water park, River Country, Disney felt it was a perfect opportunity to show a modernized, fully-themed water park to its guests, entirely in line with CEO Michael Eisner's vision of a more action-packed resort that had options for teenagers and older kids. While Disney was planning the construction of Blizzard Beach, they decided to plan for a tie-in resort just across the street from this new park option. They had noticed that part of the draw of River Country was its close proximity to Disney's Wilderness Lodge Resort. Disney's second water park, Typhoon Lagoon, was instead located directly next to downtown Disney Shopping District, entirely separated from any Disney hotels and making it significantly less convenient for guests to reach, possibly contributing to its lack of guests. With Blizzard Beach being Disney's first water park since 1989, the company wanted to correct its past mistake and began planning a nearby resort that would tie into the water park's winter theme. With that, the idea for Disney's Alpine Resort was born. The Alpine Resort would be Disney's fourth moderate resort after Caribbean Beach, Port Orleans, and Dixie Landing, which would later become Port Orleans Riverside. Guests at this resort would be able to ride a chairlift from the hotel to the water park, making it even more convenient to reach this newest gate. However, this Swiss-bound-themed lodge was not to be. As Imagineers became concerned with guests viewing the dry, empty water park during its annual cleaning cycle, so as not to ruin the story of Blizzard Beach for visitors, the Alpine Resort was scrapped, and Imagineers turned back to the drawing board to think of another resort idea, a resort that needed to be more sprawled out to avoid building upwards and giving views of Blizzard Beach. As Imagineers were scrapping the idea of a cold, mountainous theme, they began to consider a theme that was complete opposite, a drier, more arid region of the world filled with deserts. This focus on Spanish colonial and Southwest United States themes started to develop and eventually became Disney's Coronado Springs Resort, which could transport guests to such places as Mexico, New Mexico, Arizona, and Southwest Texas. First and foremost, the Alpine Resort. Is this the second mountain-themed resort Disney had planned that ended up not coming to fruition? Uh, I think so. Because the Country Bear Jamboree, I, as I recall, was originally intended to be in Disney's Ski Resort, which also didn't come to be. So Disney really can't get a win with those hmm. mountain-themed resorts. Also, the chairlift. Can you imagine riding the chairlift across that road there? I'd be terrified of falling out. No, it's just like the Skyliner. But old-school Skyliner. Yeah, that, yeah, the old Skyliner. Sky, the sky was not safe. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. That probably wasn't that safe looking. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> That's fine. Everything's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. Um, I, I love that they have these cool ideas, and I wish that this Alpine Resort actually came into play because it would have been really, really cool to do. But um, as I mentioned, with the moderate resorts at Disney, you have Port Orleans Riverside, French Corner. Um, those are themed after New Orleans kind of style, um, which the it was the French Quarter, I believe, was actually supposed to be a different resort completely, and then it shifted. Um, and combined to be French Quarter, um, part, of, part of Port Orleans. And then you also have uh, Caribbean Beach, which is one that I stayed at in the early 90s, I think. And, um, and then Coronado Springs now. So basically, what, four resorts there. Um, not super in your face, Disney, 
um, very subtle and there's not really I think especially in the 90s there wasn't really anything Spanish as far as Disney goes besides mm -hmm. yeah yeah besides what the three Cabreras or whatever yeah. kind of thing and that was relatively forgotten yeah they had forgotten the about the Epcot ride <laughs> yeah, which yeah. would later be rethemed yeah. so it's really an interesting idea I feel like the Alpine Resort would have made a little more sense it would have felt a little more Disney because you've got I don't know I feel like that would tie in with Pinocchio relatively well living in Italy somewhere in that like Alps type region of Europe a more fairy tale type setting Coronado Springs just feels a little more random yeah yeah. yeah oh yeah yeah I, I think they should just make all the resorts uh pops entries why not, why why are they trying to get fancy with it? Just um, make it all in wanna... your face Disney and then let the rich let, let let the rich folks complain about it. But when you go to Disney, you go to be immersed in a place that you would have to travel extremely far to become immersed in. And for me, I love how immersive the deluxe and moderate resorts are. I love feeling mm -hmm. like I've been transported to the Caribbean while I can still go to a Disney park and enjoy my day. Or going to the last resort episode that Nick and I both did on Grand Floridian, the beach resorts of the turn of the century Victorian beach areas, or a mountain lodge in the woods with Fort Wilderness. For me, I'm not a huge fan of the value resorts just because they don't feel like I've been transported anywhere. It just looks like there's statues all around me. So I'm not a huge fan of those personally. Well, for me... When I'm in Disney, I feel like I want to feel like I'm in Disney. So, yeah, I mean, I don't want to I, feel like I'm not going to Florida. feel like I'm in Mexico. I'll just go to Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. And it's like a lot of the resorts are even updating currently to make it Disney, but not in your face Disney that you get with the value resorts. Um, and that's where the moderate resorts have always been kind of almost out of place, like you said, because they didn't really tie in with anything. Um, previously and part of the difference to that not a lot of people know is so you have a value, value resorts moderate and deluxe value resorts are basically just a room um, with a pool there's nothing special there's no special restaurants it's a carryout restaurant there so then they developed these moderate resorts to give people a little bit more of a deluxe feel for moderate pricing um, but the rooms were exactly the same size. They were the same layouts uh, at Coronado Springs that they are at Pop Century as well, too. Um, so the rooms weren't any bigger. It was just a far walk. But you get that theming of the rundown Mexico <laughs> of what it used to feel like, at least. And then you get the deluxe resorts. Um, so um, the moderate resorts add in a restaurant. Um, and there are a couple restaurants some places. The pools are a little bit nicer, so they have some water slides. This pool, um, I think we get into in a later history too, um, is a, a pyramid, Aztec, I think, um, pyramid that has a water slide kind of attached to it. So, um, yeah, it's it's like not great, but it gets better. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're talking about this resort and your expertise for things you've done at the Disney parks, Nick. I know I personally have never been to a Disney water park. In fact, on Disney's, I don't think there has been an episode diving into Blizzard Beach or Typhoon Lagoon yet, only River Country. What can you tell us about the water parks, Nick? Is Blizzard Beach in better proximity? Is one water park better than the other, in your opinion? No, um, Blizzard Beach is actually kind of out of the way. Um, 
looking at a map of where everything is, um, Coronado Springs is kind of in the middle of nowhere, too. It's um, literally kind of in between Epcot, Hollywood, and Animal Kingdom. It's further away from Magic Kingdom. Um, Blizzard Beach is right across the street from Disney Springs. So you have old downtown Disney, essentially, when it was built. Um, right across the street, so you have all those off-property hotels nearby to kind of attract that crowd. So you still get that Disney feel. Um, Typhoon Lagoon, um, honestly, I don't even know where it's at on the map. Um, I just hop on a bus and go there. So it's been a while since I've been to Typhoon Lagoon. We did Blizzard Beach two years ago, I think, now. Um, well, we can talk about that on a whole other episode because those water parks definitely need updated. So. That's, that's what I've heard. I am kind of imagining a triangle that you can form between Animal Kingdom, Epcot, and Hollywood Studios with just Blizzard Beach and Coronado Springs in between. People go in there, kind of just disappear, kind of like the Bermuda Triangle yeah. of Disney World. <laughs> like, that is Coronado Springs. People don't know what happens in there. Um, many people don't want to know what happens in it's there. the tequila. <laughs> it's just there, yeah. And it's like Coronado, all you, the only way to get to Coronado Springs from any park is hopping on a bus. There's no Skyliner like you get at Pop Century. There's no boats that you get at Greater Floridian or Wilderness Lodge. So you literally can just hop on a bus. So, And it, it talks a little bit about the convention center um, as well, too, which I think we might get into later more. But um, And that's something that Disney wasn't really marketing, I feel, Um and their advertising because they market to families. They don't market to business conventions or anything like that. So um, it was weird that they added that, especially in a moderate resort. But yeah, Disney does as Disney does. I think Eisner was just so experimental around this time too. He was just kind of throwing anything at a wall to see what would stick. Kind of like that about him. As the Imagineers finalized designs for the resort, they decided to incorporate such architectural aspects in the lobby as millwork, vaulted ceilings, a mural and a fountain to make the resort seem more high-end than it was. A fine dining resort, the Maya Grill, was actually constructed with this exact purpose in mind, to make this moderate resort appear more luxurious. One unique aspect of this hotel was the addition of Convention Center, something that only Disney's Grand Floridian previously had. With Disney's expanding scope in the 1990s, executives hoped to attract business people to Disney property, expanding the amount of potential guests in Disney hotels. However, planning a hotel centered around business conferences and planning a hotel for a family vacation destination are two entirely different tasks, and as such, Imagineers had to work to find the perfect balance. One-time director of design and development for the resort, Ball Holland, later stated that it was difficult to consider the no-nonsense outlook of most convention goers on a business trip while also crafting a destination with plenty of amenities for visiting families. The solution that was decided upon was to make the convention center very neutral in tone, the rest of the resort being more colorful and immersive. The theme of the resort was another point of contention. The Southwest United States style was considered more serious and businesslike, while the Mexican style of architecture and decor was thought to be more fun and fanciful, and the final design of the resort demonstrates a combination of these two ideas. As architect Graham Gunn designed the buildings, he focused on modernizing the historic architectural styles of both of these regions into a newer, fresher design for present-day guests. Despite this grand idea, the budget on a moderate resort was significantly less than on a deluxe resort, and as such, certain cost-cutting measures were taken, open-air walkways instead of enclosed corridors, and faux ceramic tile in less prominent areas of the resort were just a few ways the Imagineers worked to stay within their budget constraints. 
The headboards in the rooms were even painted to give them a wood texture instead of using actual wood molding. Finally, the resort would open on August 1st, 1997 to guests and business people alike. The resort would experience its most significant addition in July of 2019 with the opening of Grand Destino Tower, a 15-story tower with 545 guests' rooms. However, without the addition of a Skyliner stop to this resort, the bus system remains the most efficient transportation option for guests to the Disney parks, as it has been since the opening. Just want to pause for a moment here. The name Ball Holland might be one of the single coolest names I have ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> like, your last name is the name of not just a country, it's a region of a country. And you name the child a first name that has never been heard of before and rhymes with the first Like That's awesome. Ball Holland. So they decided to make the conference center of a boring hotel even more boring by painting it neutral. Is that what they said? They said they painted it neutral colors. Yeah. They, <laughs> yeah. It it's like, already a boring hotel. Let's yeah. make our conference room even more boring. But it can't be too fun because business people don't yeah. like fun. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> therefore, they're trying to walk this line. And based on what you're saying, Nick, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, it feels like they do a very poor job of walking the line and really don't please anybody in the process. And, no, and that's where it was not a great resort to, to begin with because it says they tried to make it feel like a deluxe resort. I don't think it ever felt like that, even with faux wood and tiles and all that stuff. Um, it's The rooms were exactly the same size as Value Resort. For moderate, I wanted bigger rooms. I wanted um, a little bit more space i guess in it and there wasn't that it was exactly the same the color scheme was very dull um <laughs> not not very pleasing but when they added the grandestino tower in 2019 um, it definitely changed the game for this property um, it's one of the first um tall buildings i guess that outside of the ones that we've already known to love but it's one of the newest taller buildings that you can actually see three of the theme parks from the um, top floor, um, which is really cool to go up there, grab a drink at their bar and, um, and check it out. So, But oh no, what will Disney do? People can look into Blizzard Beach now when the pools are empty. How horrifying. Yeah, I know, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now you, yeah, now I can go see the fireworks from, from there. Um, I think, I forget which park you can't see. But I know it's like Hollywood, nice. right? Because that's not far from there. I want to say probably Magic Kingdom, like you can't see from there because I think that's the furthest one away. Or maybe, well, I guess there's not really fireworks. There's not really fireworks at Animal Kingdom, but I think you can see parts of it. It's, um... but yeah, when they when they added this building, that's when they started to do refurbishments around the entire property too. So they updated the rooms now. So the rooms got rid of the carpet, which pretty much I think every Disney resort now has pretty much gotten rid of that carpet and just added in. Um, even if it's a fake wood flooring, it just gives that a nicer modern feel to it. Um, the colors are more updated and vibrant, and it's just a more welcoming property for everybody, I feel. My question is, now if you book it now and you don't get the tower, it's very disappointed to be in the older part of the building, right? Like the, yes. the tower is like new and fancy, and now the rest the tower of the is nice. Kinda... I so whenever I book people, um, and I have clients that come to me, I try to book them in the tower because the tower does give you more of that deluxe feel for a moderate price. 
Um, the tower rooms are bigger rooms. They're newer, obviously, too. Um, and they're a little bit bigger. They're bigger and same looks and same feel that they have in the regular buildings. Uh, like I said, the regular buildings, they remodeled them, so it makes it feel fresh and new still. So, um, yeah, you might not be in the tower. The rooms are still really, really nice, very comfortable feels in them. Um, so I like it now. Oh, good. I'd go back. <laughs> yeah, we've um, and and we stayed there in um, 2022, actually. And what's great about it is there's so much to do on this resort. Um, like I said, with a value resort, all you have is that carry out restaurant, which might have chicken nuggets and cheeseburgers. Um, oh, for my daughter, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for my daughter, it's great. But um, there's, um, which I think we talked to in the next history, is um, the restaurant Three Bridges is really good. And the Grandestino Tower at the top um, of the building, I think it's the 16th floor maybe, is a restaurant called Toledo. And it's a Spanish-inspired tapas restaurant, and it's really, really phenomenal. It does feel like a deluxe resort when you're in that building. Um, there's a bar at the top as well, too, called Dahlia, which um, you'll kind of hear the, the story of Dahlia, um, I think, as well, too. And then there's an amazing coffee shop and bakery down on the first floor. Um, so it definitely gives a lot more options for people to stay on property versus having to um, leave Pop Century or Art of or All Stars and all that to go somewhere else. So. See, I kind of want to just go up to that rooftop bar with only to say, holy Toledo. And then I could just leave yeah. just to say that I said, holy Toledo at Toledo. I know. And we're from Ohio, so we can say that. Right? This is true. This yeah. is true. We have, yeah, we, we don't say Toledo. that here. Yeah, we have a Toledo in Ohio. You <laughs> looked out funny if you say here. Now, Nick, you were also talking about how they renovated the rooms. And in History Theory, we'll talk a little bit more about the three specific areas that they've got there. There's the cabanas, the ranchos, and the casitas. I think it'd be really cool if they could incorporate a specific Latin American-themed Disney movie into each of those. Just a little bit. It doesn't need to be all out. But in some of the decorations in the rooms or something of that nature, like making the casitas themed around maybe Encanto, perhaps the ranchos yeah. around Coco. I don't know what I would do for the cabanas. What's another Latin American themed Disney movie? I don't know on that. Um, I mean, in general, I feel like they I'm, I'm surprised that they didn't add anything because Coco was such a big movie during the time that this came out. Um I talked about like moderate resorts. So Port Orleans, they added in these princess themed rooms a few years back. Um, so there's a little bit theming to them. Um, so not all the rooms are themed too. So if you want to stay in just a regular um, New Orleans kind of style room, you can do that. Uh, it would be awesome if they, like you said, if they incorporated Coco and Kanto, like those are two huge movies for Disney. And I know Kanto is newer, but um it would it would be awesome to add something like that. Oh, for sure. I love Encanto. I'd, I'd, I'd stay anywhere themed to Encanto, for sure. Mm -hmm. Anywhere? That's not Pop Century? Well, yes. If you if you pay for it, or Nick <laughs> wants to pay for it, I will stay somewhere very fancy that's themed to Encanto. If but, you pay for it, they will come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm poor. I'm, I can't afford to not stay at Pop Century. <laughs> I can't help but wonder, Nick, if the reason that they didn't put any Disney characters and movies in is because they're still terrified of the business people in the convention center and they still feel like they have to appear so proper and prim, even though, let's face it, like if you're going to a convention on Walt Disney World property, 
and you're staying in an area that's supposed to be deemed somewhere around southwest Mexico, like, you should already know that you're in this more fun and fancy free type mm-hmm. setting. And as it's fun to be free, you know, don't be stuck up just because you're at a convention center. Yeah. Oh, that's my outlook. Well, yeah, I think now, well, the con- conventions are so common down there now. I think you kind of know what you're getting into at this point. But back, you know, when it first opened, they weren't that common down there. So maybe they were trying to be a little bit more conservative and the, about it. And this is, well, and this is a moderate resort, too. It's like we have Grand Floridian who just went through refurbishment to become more Mary Poppins themed. We have Contemporary, uh, a couple years ago, just remodeled to become incredible steams. So why a moderate resort is not, that's, I don't think the convention would have to be something to do with it. Maybe they're just not ready to take that next step. Um, as I feel like they've been dragging the ball, especially with Coco, <laughs> um, that could have taken over the Epcot mexican pavilion yeah how have we not gotten Mm -hmm. anything coco except for like that one walk around character that doesn't do it anymore and like like one sorcerer of the magic kingdom card in that yeah Yeah. well i mean they did do the inside of the the very entrance of the mexico pavilion had some stuff but But that's it and it was it it was a huge movie and it continues to be a great one it's my personal one of my personal favorite ones yeah all right, hear me out, gents. I've got an idea. Oh, what we're going to do, the three of us, we're going to rent out the convention center at Coronado Springs. We're going to put on CocoCon. We're essentially going Ooh. to be protesting Disney not having more cocoa in the parks. And we're going to blow the entire Diz His budget that Alex and Chris are putting to hold this convention to raise awareness for getting more cocoa in the parks. CocoCon 2024. I love that Stay idea. It. Love it. Storm the gates. <laughs> <laughs> Wow! Wow! Well, and talking on the on the topic of Coco, we just came out of the holiday season where the Grand Floridian, the Polynesian, all those resorts are known for decorating very big for Christmas festivities. Like they could do so much with Day of the Dead, even at Coronado Springs. Oh and yeah, that'd it, be awesome. Um, Cinco de Mayo and, too. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Could you imagine all the tequila they'd have? Ooh, would it be more than they normally have? <laughs> I hope they so. should make a Coronado Springs tequila trail that goes through the different places and like yeah. each one's themed to the different regions of Mexico or the Southwest United States. No, right. That would work amazingly. They would make so much money if they did something. Think about drinking around the world. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's just a mini drinking around the world. That Everybody would go do that for sure. The three of us Same. have single handedly just come up with we, two different ways to save we, the we resort. Save Disney. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they actually have a lot of bars um, on this property, too, because of the convention center. There's a lot more to choose from there. So you could basically eat around, which they have a lake right in the middle um, that you could just eat and drink around the lake. So let's do it. Right. So your birthday cool. your birthday's coming up. My birthday's coming up, Ryan. We got this. Yeah, we'll yeah. I got a while. <laughs> yeah, we got a while until <laughs> September. I don't want to... Get too far ahead on that. Wait, wait. Your birthday September. We're both October. Our birthdays are nowhere, nowhere near. near coming up. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up. It almost couldn't be further away. <laughs> wait, Day of the Dead. We're going to be there around Day of the Dead then. That's right. Disney's Coronado Springs was designed with a specific backstory revolving around Francisco de Coronado, who left Mexico in 1540, searching for the seven golden cities of Cibola. According to the hotel's lore, Francisco happened to come across the ruins of a Mayan pyramid. Centuries later, his ancestors found his maps and rediscovered a land he had found, settled it, and called it Coronado Springs in his honor. 
The hotel lobby, referred to as El Centro, is a bright open building with an enormous dome and calming fountain inside. Guests can check in at the simply decorated hallway on the right side or can instead head into Pachito's Gifts and Sundrives to purchase some souvenirs on their left. Also located in the El Centro building are the quick service Cafe Ricks and the Ricks Lounge Bar and El Mercado de Coronado, a food court. The convention center is connected to the building as well, as is the Maya Grill, a Southwest-inspired sit-down restaurant with dinner options. The decor around these restaurants and shops is minimal, centered almost entirely on architectural styles, and guests can certainly see the lack of significant theming that resulted from the conference center. The resort features four main lodging areas that wind around the man-made Lago Dorado, the lake that serves as the resort's centerpiece. The cabanas are relatively short buildings representing the American Southwest coastal regions, and such are located near Lago Dorado's rocky beaches. The ranchos are multi-story buildings based on the arid, farmhouse-based regions of Mexico, and as such are located from distance away from Lago Dorado. The casitas represent Mexico's and Southwest America's urban centers and include plazas, fountains, and courtyards. Each of these areas has its own pool, but the resort's main pool, called the La City of Sobola, is located in the dig site, which includes a large Mayan pyramid with water cascading down its steps. The dig site also includes a playground, an arcade, the Siesta Cantina Bar, and a volleyball court. A bridge stretches the dig site to the middle of Lagado Dorado, where the Three Bridges Bar and Grill, an open-air table restaurant, is located. The fourth area with rooms in the Grand Destino Tower, and this building's surrealist style can be especially seen in its lobby and its Adalia Lounge on the 16th floor. The tower is focused on the stories of Mexico and the American Southwest. As we're finishing out that history here, is the history behind the Grand Destino Tower. So it was originally named after a short film that was a collaboration in the 1940s between Walt Disney and the Spanish surrealist painter Salvador Dali, of all people. And so they were planning on making this really just wild film that was really out there, super creative. But as we know, World War II and Disney's financial struggles in the 40s meant that it was never really completed until 2003, when finally they found that little bit of footage that had been created and finished out that film to make a short seven-minute film and tried to see that vision through there. It's a very interesting tale about a young woman who, as it looks like, is named Dahlia and just goes through this surreal scenery. And so even the Dahlia Lounge that's up at the top floor of the Grand Destino Tower is named for her. And really with all of the art, you can see the basis that this movie has throughout the entire tower, which I think is really cool. It's interesting. Yeah, I, lo I love that they included that and I... I got to experience it and hear kind of the backstory as well, too, in person when I was down there for a work trip in um, 2021. And it's it's a really cool story that they took and made that movie into a movie. And now they actually play at the hotel as well, too, um, on some of the TVs. They have a picture of a dandelion up on the wall, which is actually a hidden Mickey as well, too, on top of it. And um, the dandelion is all about incorporated into the movie and the Dahlia and all that. So it's um Really cool history, and I love that they tied it in, made it into a bar as well, too. So, Doesn't Dahlia mean flower? It's a type of flower. It's a type of flower, because I remember the Black Dahlia thing. Um, I don't really have anything to say about that. That's very interesting. <laughs> <laughs> now, the dig site. The dig sites are usually intended to explore stuff that's really old and try to find it. So, Ryan, 
How is it being the subject of a dig site? I'm not the, quite that old, but you know, no, I, I you know, I, wasn't it a couple maybe last year? There was uh, some guy. His kid ran up that up that uh, pyramid that was there. Did you see that? And like, it was on film. Oh, I, that kid I was at, like at the top me. of that of that uh, thing, and it, there's a whole bunch of like he got in trouble for. But I, from what I hear, the pool is really cool here. That's like the biggest cool point for the whole damn resort. I feel like that's true for a lot of resorts. I feel like the pools tend to be really iconic for most of them, whether it's the creepy clown pool from Boardwalk, which really isn't a thing anymore, or the yeah. huge storm along bay over at Yacht and Beach Club, mm-hmm. or even Art of Animation, the Finding Nemo big, big blue pool, I think it's called, something like yeah, that. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, yeah, and, uh, the f- pools are really neat centerpieces that tell you a lot about the character of the resort. Even the volcano at Polynesian, which uh, I, even though I'm not a big pool guy, I love the resort pools. Yeah, I agree with you. I like I, I don't use the pools, so they don't really draw me in for anything. So like, yeah, but that's why I like plop centric. The, the the theming goes everywhere, not just the pools, but the pools are really cool there too. So yeah, it's definitely um, it's a fun, beautiful pool, and it kind of tells the story. And like I said, it brings it all together, having the pyramid. And- um, it just you feel immersed in that scene, essentially. Now let's go through some of the different bars yeah. that they've got here, because earlier Nick mentioned there's a ton of bars in this resort, especially because of the fact that it's in a convention center. I counted three, if I was correct. You got the Dahlia Lounge up on the what 16th floor of Grandestino mm-hmm. Tower. There is over in the dig site. The Siestas Cantina Bar. There's also in the middle of the lake the Three Bridges Bar and Grill. Which has really and then good burgers. Over... Ooh, I kind of want to check yeah. that out now. <laughs> uh, then we've got over in El Centro, I believe it was referred to as the Rick's uh, Lounge Bar. So that's four different bars for a moderate resort that, At yeah, least. it's spread out, but it's not huge. Yeah, and there's even one on the main floor. So when you walk into the Grandestina Tower, you're actually on, I believe, the second floor. Um, and it overlooks, so it's um, a huge open area in there. And there's a great picture of Walt with Mickey even in there, too. And it's kind of um, a fun, different design to it. Um, but there's a bar down on the bottom, which is, I guess, the first floor. And it's a co- great, great coffee shop in the morning. they got really good pastries and everything. It's one of my favorite things to do. Um, there for Sunday morning and grab um, a coffee and a drink, um, not a drink. I'm not Are you drinking that early? <laughs> no. Hey, mimosas, yeah, mimosas, you know, mimosas, yeah. Cornadian. Yeah, might do a mimosa or tequila, tequila sunrise. Maybe. Irish coffee, know. whatever. Ooh. Yeah. No, we're, we're in Mexico here. <laughs> Mexican coffee. <laughs> I also do appreciate the fact that there is a story, a backstory to this hotel like a lot of the Disney resorts. On the one hand, Disney doesn't publish those. They don't really put them out. And I think people would appreciate the resorts a little bit more if they knew the stories behind them. On the other hand, it's really cool that they've got the story that they incorporate throughout it. Francisco de Coronado, I think, is, I don't know, fascinating story there. I'd love to know some of the more of the stories. And I think it'd be cool if they had little pamphlets around some of these resorts that told those stories. I think they should do that for all resorts. That's a good idea. To kind of tell the story behind everything. Yeah, or even just like if individual, like something over in Dinoland USA would have been cool. Maybe people would have appreciated Yeah, maybe like little plaques or something to kind of tell the story of 
you know how they do historical plaques, maybe those around the park kind of explaining certain restaurants and the theming behind them, like the whole story behind them. That'd be kind of cool. I like that idea. The other thing, too, that I thought was fun is, once again, Disney pushing three caballeros for whatever reason, because it's the only thing they had that was Latin American themed <laughs> up until, like, 2019, or 2000, what was it? Coco 2017? Uh, 17, I think, right? Yeah. I believe it was 17. And yet, Emperor's New Groove, Latin American, Peru, sure, a little further south, but it's right there. And yet we've got Panchito's gifts and sundries. Once again, themed after a pretty insensitive movie. It's weird. Hmm. Yeah, but, you know. Man, I would love to see something that was themed to Emperor's New Groove. Me too. Really, anything that, at That's all. what our third yeah. region should have been in Coronado Springs. One Aries Coco, one's Encanto, one's Emperor's New Groove. That would yeah. have been so yeah, fun. Yeah, all about that. <laughs> and it talks about, um, I know we talked about like a lot of restaurants and stuff here. So the downfall of this property is there's only a bus system to get there. Mm-hmm. So we love when we go to Disney to hop around to different resorts because some of the restaurants around different resorts are so much better than what you can, the food in the parks. Um, Toledo is a really, really great restaurant, but it is not easy to get to. Um, if you're staying at a different property, you have to hop on a bus from that property to a park or to Disney Springs and then hop on another bus. Um, so if you don't know the area very well, it's it can be very challenging to get to. Um, obviously, you have Uber and taxis that are easier, but those cost money. But um, with Disney, you don't want to spend money. You want to be immersed in all that, and you don't want to have to hop around here and here. So um i i highly recommend heading over there and trying out the food even if you don't want to stay here um check out the property it's a beautiful resort especially the tower it's an amazing property i'm looking at pictures of toledo toledo i'm looking at pictures of toledo right now and it's really good looking restaurant yeah like, i don't know really dude it's a bit of a boring city i'm surprised you're that interested in it <laughs> to- toledo. To- toledo 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 alex cut that <laughs> Listen, I'm tired. <laughs> I don't feel well. <laughs> Same girl. It actually does look really cool, it very does. modern. There's even a tree in the middle. They could easily make that, oh. like, do an Encanto overlay oh, if yeah, they yeah, really yeah, wanted yeah. to. For sure. No, that food looks really good right there. Sorry. That's pricey. Oh, but well, it's good. never mind. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's you're talking not. about pricey, Nick. We earlier mentioned the Maya Grill, which was specifically added to make the restaurant and make really the entire resort feel more luxurious. Is the Maya Grill any good? What kind of food do they serve there? I, I don't even know. Is this? I don't even know if it's still there. I've never heard anybody talk about it. I never have clients interested in it. So that is a good kind question. of the black sheep of Disney restaurants. I'm, I'm looking this what up. What if now. it's like a hidden gem I, that nobody knows about? It could. It's still alive. Oh, wait, I, I found one. I found one in my our city here, actually, Nick. <laughs> I, I feel like I've heard of it. <laughs> There's one in New York, too, just yeah. in case you wanted to head north. Yeah, I'm trying to remember, because when we stayed there back in 10 years ago, before the tower was built, the main lobby is where it's, I'm pretty sure it's still there, but they converted that to the convention center and all the restaurants that are there now, too, so. It, it is still uh, there. I, I, feel like the, I feel like I remember seeing it, but not going there there's actually a review about exactly what we just talked about is maya grill a sleeper hit it depends on what you order so you said for any it might be anywhere. good <laughs> it might not be yeah. good i would argue tony's town square is not a sleeper hit to anybody good calamari 
Hey, could Calamari at the local Piata down the street? I know. Who eats Calamari at the Magic Kingdom? Not, I don't anymore. <laughs> <laughs> quick fire, quick facts. Let's go. To save money while building the resort, fan coil air conditioning units were installed instead of full ducts in the building, saving a significant amount of money and maintenance. I think Alex may have been on the financial team for this resort. What, wouldn't ducks be really loud in the building? Not that kind of ducks. Oh. I don't know, you're the human equivalent of Donald Duck, so you, you guys keep saying that. Sense. I don't understand I don't why. <laughs> See, that makes you angry. It makes me angry. I think it's funny. <laughs> The Coronado Ballroom is the largest ballroom in southeastern United States, covering 60,214 square feet. Wow, that's like half of North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> Panchito's Gifts and Sundries is named after the three Caballeros characters and features a statue of its namesake. El Mercado de Coronado was originally called the Pepper Market and became famous for its bad reviews. A project coordinator brought three-foot-tall statues of frogs, lobsters, and iguanas from Awaka to the restaurant. Oh, you said it right. <laughs> I couldn't even get close to saying that word. We had to we had to Google it and translate it last night for. I think I heard that while I was driving. That's a, yeah, my Spanish classes are saving my life on these things. El Mercado is intended to appear as an old warehouse converted into a market for various food vendors, and includes a fire temple, a water temple, and a sun temple. Now guys, we have a very special addition to the episode tonight. I had a famous celebrity from a television show on Paramount Network send in some hidden Mickeys for us. Oh, can't wait to hear these. Paramount, man, that's still in business. Hi, this is John Taffer, host of Bar Rescue, and I'm here to bring you some hidden Mickeys from Coronado Springs Resort. And you can trust me, I'm not dishonest, John, at all. If we're starting in the main part of Coronado Springs, take a look at the check-in lobby. You're going to notice that there's some lights just below the doors over there that make three circles. They're a hidden Mickey. The front doors of the resort also have three circles that form a hidden Mickey. And you might notice a hidden Mickey on the pathway just outside the main lobby building of the resort. If we head into Grand Estino Tower, though, there are many more hidden Mickeys that the Imagineers have put in there. And I tell you, there's a lot more to enjoy in there than there is in the live-action Pinocchio movie. I don't know anyone who could enjoy that. As we start on the first floor of Grand Estino Tower, take a look at some of the paintings. For example, there's a dandelion that forms a hidden Mickey. There's even a painting that has Mickey Mouse himself. In fact, every single painting on the lobby level of Grand Destino Tower has a hidden Mickey within it. You'll also notice over in the Barcelona Lounge, there's a mosaic. You can notice a hidden Mickey hidden within that mosaic if you look very carefully. Now, as we're heading up to the top level for the second floor hallways here, I'd like to give you a top 76 list of... Oh, wait, we've already made it up to the hallway. As we start looking around on the rug here, there's plenty of hidden Mickey. And you'll even notice that the paintings on the walls once again have hidden Mickeys as well. As you get inside your guest room, take a look at the walls. The white circular designs on the wallpaper have some hidden Mickeys. And of course, there's plenty more around the resort. In fact, some folks have even stated they found 62 hidden Mickeys throughout Grand Destino Tower. Far more than I can list off here because I have another bar I need to go rescue. 
Well, anyways, I'm going to enjoy this charcuterie board, and oh my gosh, is that Gary? Well, I'm going to go meet up with Gary, but that's me, John Taffer, with your Hidden Mickeys from Coronado Springs. Wow, John Taffer himself. I didn't realize he sounded so much like me. I didn't know he's still alive. I uh, love his show. We here at Diz His think that Disney's Coronado Springs Resort has some incredibly unique theming, and its immersive nature helps it to stand out as one of the most memorable moderate resorts on property. Its wide variety of dining and lodging options make it an excellent choice for a Disney vacation at an intermediate price level. We had a glowing review of it, didn't we? <laughs> I've gotten to the point where since Alex doesn't like my negative outros, I have to write the outro before I write any of the history. When I'm going <laughs> this whole time it. we're like, it's okay. We, it sucked and then it got the slightly better. And now it's like, oh, we think it's the best one on <laughs> <laughs> It's literally, I'm pretty sure it's the worst of the four. Oh my God. Yeah. I just priced out a client there and it was actually cheaper to stay there than Pop Century. What? Wow. It's still a downgrade though. (laughs) That's insane. That's really interesting. I know. And I'd rather stay at Pop Century than to do the Skyliner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the biggest draw for it for me. Disney Cruise is no ordinary vacation. It's an adventure, a fairy tale, a dream. Step aboard and discover where favorite Disney characters meet fun for the whole family, where total rest and relaxation meet the ultimate escape and excitement, where a dream vacation meets a magical cruise. Only on Disney Cruise Line, where magic meets the sea. To book your magical Disney Cruise Line vacation, go to sandpipervacations.com today. Check us out streaming on award-winning Disney streaming site, Sorcerer Radio, on Fridays at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, or catch us again at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Sorcerer Radio is an amazing 24-7 Disney radio. Just visit srsounds.com or download the Sorcerer Radio app. Hey there, fellow Disney enthusiasts. Scott here from the No New Friends podcast. Now, I'm not here to shamelessly plug the No New Friends podcast. No, I want to tell you all about the Diz His Goof Troop or Patreon. Now, you hear Joe and Jen and Chris and Alex talking about Patreon all the time, but I wanted you to hear from an actual Patreon member how cool it is to be a member of the Goof Troop. You get exclusive access to early release, show notes, and then my two favorite aspects, the cutting room floor material, the things that you don't get to hear on Spotify or Apple or any other platform that you listen to. And there's a lot of mistakes and a lot of really funny things that happen in that cutting room floor. Also, you get access to the live recordings. And I'm going to tell you, these live recordings are fantastic between Alex's mispronunciation of words or just Joe being silly or Chris making a really funny joke. It's worth the price of admission just to watch the live episodes. Plus you get to chat and interact with some amazing Goof Troop members that have me rolling on the floor in laughter first thing in the morning all the way till I go to sleep at night. It's just so much fun. And I wanted you to hear it from an actual Goof Troop member how cool it is to be a Diz His Patreon member. Just visit their website, dizhiz.com and click on the Goof Troop link for as low as $2 a month. That's only $24 a year. You get all this access and it's worth it. Trust me. Dizhis.com. Click on the Goof Troop link. Hey, Nick, do you have a travel update for us? So actually I do. Um, 
Disney has been running, well, first off, Disney went away from having theme park reservations, finally. Yes. Um, Let's go. Something, yeah, something that we were all super excited about. Um, and they brought back the dining plan. So something that everybody's really excited about right now is the Disney dining plan is back. And they just released some specials this summer where you can get the dining plan absolutely free with your trip. So um, please reach out to us at sandpipervacations.com. We can get you um, some pricing and let you know um, how to save some money. Even if you book your trip now and it goes cheaper down the road, we can always save you money that way as well, too. We, um, when this dining plan was released, I actually saved one client over $1,000. Wow. This. So um, pretty amazing deal. And um, there's lots of other promotions going on with Disney right now, too. Um, Disney Cruise Line is still running for a couple more days, actually, a discounted deposit of 10%. So um, get out there and reach out to us. We are the experts of Disney. As you guys know, I know the resorts like the back of my hand um, for, for the most part. Um, I can I can get you guys around to all the great restaurants and make sure you get into those great restaurants by getting new dining reservations, too. If you want to learn what the Maya Grill actually is, Nick can probably get your reservations there. Yeah. And I need you to save me a thousand dollars, Nick, on my vacation. Well you have to you have to book. I'm, I'm getting ready to. We're talking about it You're just good. before we started the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> hey Ryan. Yeah. What'd you do this week at Disney? Uh, I didn't do a whole lot this week. I did just finish up uh, this week's episode of Percy Jackson. And no it, spoiler, and not that I need spoilers because oh, I no read spoilers, the books, no spoilers. But, like, but it was really, really good. This this show has I gotten can't. like really hooked me, hooked in, you know, got me hooked onto it. It's really, really mm -hmm. good. I'm so excited for when we do the history on the the TV I, series and the book series yeah, in a few it's months. Just, because... It's been phenomenal. Like, yeah, mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to be that good, but man, it just it's it's great. I'm going to credit the original author of the books, Rick Reardon, for that. He wasn't involved in the movies at all. They gave him complete creative control with the TV show. He's a fantastic speaker. I saw him speak uh, way back when years ago. He's really funny, but also great storyteller. And so I'm not surprised that the show's that good. I can't wait to get into it once all the episodes are released. Yeah, you're going to love it. It's it's It doesn't follow the original movies that I saw, but uh, I like the way it's going. Speaking of Greek mythology, too, I would like to apologize. Last week I said I thought it was Perseus who, in the original Greek myth, had Pegasus. I realized as I was listening to the actual episode, it was Bellerophon, not Perseus. So I greatly apologize. Hmm, you're fired. Yeah. You what else do you do back. this week in Disney, Ryan? That's about it. Yeah. How about you, Nick? What have you done this week in Disney? Uh, actually, I didn't really have too much time to do anything in Disney because I was just got back from a cruise. So um, I was invited um, to represent the travel agency, St. Piper Vacations, on Royal Caribbean. So they have a brand new ship that is coming out literally on January 27th, and we got invited on a previous sailing. So we, um, and by we, I mean me and my husband, Sean, went on a three-night cruise on this brand new ship, the Icon of the Seas. This is the world's largest cruise ship, and it is ginormous. Fancy. Um, so, and we're super excited because they actually, slight Disney, I guess, on there. Um, they had a piano player outside the restaurant. He was playing Toy Story when he walks in the restaurant. So it's kind of Burt Myers up, of course, because I, I notice anything Disney. And, um, but this cruise ship is massive. It is great for the entire family. There's so much to do from six water slides, 
Um, there's an adults-only area back in the very back of the ship. There's younger kid-friendly areas of the ship. So there's just so much to do that you can't do it all in a seven-day cruise. Um, but other than that, just been continuing my education as a travel a, a travel advisor. It's just constantly continuing my education on Disney. So we just had some trainings last week on Adventures by Disney, as well as National Geographic Expeditions. Um, so we're always continuing to learn more about Disney on the back end of it for our clients. Yo, RJ, what did you do in Disney this week? Oh, thank you, Nick. So I've continued once again, big surprise, working my way through the Clone Wars since there's seven seasons. Of course, taking a little bit of time, but I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm relatively in the middle of season four right now, and it's still really, really good. So I am thoroughly enjoying it. Another thing that didn't really happen this week, but I haven't mentioned it on the show yet, that I'm super excited with about Disney Plus is one of my all-time favorite science fiction shows, Doctor Who, made a deal with Disney Plus, and so now all the new Doctor Who episodes are streaming on Disney Plus. So I watched the Christmas special uh, over Christmas time. I watched the three specials with the returns of David Tennant and Catherine Tate way back when those aired in like November and December. Great episodes, and so. If you're looking to get into Doctor mm -hmm. Who, I highly suggest starting with the new Christmas special. It was super, super fun. And of course, just getting hyped to watch Percy Jackson and the Olympians once all the things are released. The one other very mild thing that I did related to Disney, Oscar nominations came out this week. I'm a big Oscar fan, big Oscar junkie. Disney really didn't have much nominated. Elemental was nominated for Best Animated Picture. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny was nominated for Best Original Score, I believe, and... I want to say Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 was nominated for, I think, Best Special Effects. But that's it. Very light year for Disney. Um, pun definitely not intended there. But it's not a huge year for Disney. So I'm very curious to see where they go from here. If they're going to hmm. push more for Oscars and push more for box office success. So we'll see how films like Deadpool 3 end up doing. Less so for the Oscars, but more so for box office going into 2024. What is Elemental going up against? Uh, Across the Spider-Verse, uh, and I think some anime things. I think Across the Spider-Verse is almost certainly going to win. Damn. I really, really like Elemental. <laughs> Across the Spider-Verse was really I good, though. So. so next week on Diz His, I am very excited for next week's episode because Eric Allen, the host of the Sorcom Review SCR from Sorcerer Radio, is going to be on. It's a show that I've honestly listened to since I was very young, back in middle school, and I'm so excited that Eric's going to be on the show. He has a show that really dives into Disney history, but from a very different outlook than just his, a lot more music and classic Disney records. So I'm super excited for his insight on the Germany Pavilion in Epcot next week. The fourth uh, Epcot Pavilion, specifically the World Showcase Pavilion, in the Diz His World Showcase Pavilion series. So... I'm very excited to listen to that episode because it's a pavilion I know very little about, truthfully. Yeah, me too. So, Nick, thank you so much for being on the episode tonight. As Ryan and I haven't been to Coronado Springs, we greatly appreciate your insight from especially all the Grand Destino Tower stuff and all of our fantastic ideas that you really helped to spearhead for how we could improve this resort if we worked at Disney. Oh, man. Co-convention 2024. We'll make it happen. I'm excited to plan our first ever Diz His trip that we're going to do um, for Day of the Dead and 
drinking around Coronado Springs now. It's just us three, right? The other two guys. Yeah, basically just us three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, thanks, thanks for having me on. Um, real quick, just say um, using us as a travel agency doesn't cost you anything extra. Disney actually pays us to book your vacation, and we try to make it extra special and magical by um, giving you that firsthand experience so that we know the products very well. Um, Maddie, who is one of our Patreons here, she's also one of my travel advisors on the team. She is actually headed to Disney um, February 14th, or 12th through the 14th, I believe, um, to do a special agent education trip um, that we get invited on to learn more about these properties and behind the scenes and all that type of stuff. So um, we're here to help make your trip extra special. Extra special. Um, contact us at samepipervacations.com. And we look forward to hearing from you. Highly, highly recommend them. I can vouch for that. I can vouch for that. Uh, I've booked through Nick and it didn't cost me a thing. And Nick, thank you for all of the information about the resort and about Sandpiper Vacations, which we wholeheartedly recommend. Tell Sandpiper Vacations that Diz has sent you. Nick, can you also tell us just a little bit about how our vast group of fans can listen to more of you on the No New Friends podcast. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I am one of the co-hosts on the No New Friends podcast. Our episodes come out on um, Sunday evenings, but you can listen to them anytime because it's a podcast. You can listen to it all the time. So please go back and listen to some of our amazing episodes. Um, I am the emotional support gay on there. Um, so try to bring some fun lightness Um out there in the world and just spread some joy too awesome love that show and you are one of the single best parts of that show so i highly recommend anyone who enjoyed hearing nick's trademark humor and insight on this show go ahead and give no new friends podcast a listen and if you're still listening to the show just some few reminders patreon the goof troop go ahead and check that out located in the description of this episode and over on instagram at diz his pod where you can just send me a message Thank you to the one person that sent me the message hi. If you send me the message howdy this week, I'll send you a cowboy oh, emoji. It's a good one. So there you go. go ahead and send that. And, you know, maybe you'll get a standing invite to co-convention 2024. We'll see. Future events and future giveaways, you can find out those as well if you join our Patreon. And as a reminder, $5 to you or above, you could be entered into that giveaway for a one and only Diz His t-shirt, perhaps with the Steamboat Willie design. It's going to be on February 20th. Make sure you join the Patreon before then. And of course, social media. Reach out. We love to hear from you. That's The His on Disney's Coronado Springs Resort. I'm RJ. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. Thanks for listening and have a magical week. <laughs>